0: Welcome to the Scoop and Score podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried?
1: You a Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn.
2: What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Championship Week here in the 2019 college football season. I don't know where the season has gone. I don't know where all of 2019 has has gone, to be completely honest with you. But here we are. We're in December. It's time to crown some conference champions. It's time to send some teams to the college football playoff. And it's time to you know, take a look at the season as a whole and, and what we learned and, and kind of you know, evaluate, take inventory of where your team is and, and where you want to be going forward. Uh, later in the show, uh, I will have two esteemed uh, gambling experts on to discuss uh, you know where we should be putting our money uh, for this championship week slate, we've got 10 games coming up this weekend. I'm on a bit of a hot streak. Uh, I, I went three, and know, this past week, I'm 10 and two over the last three weeks. Uh, when you include the VIG, uh, and take out 10% on your winnings, uh, we are looking at, uh, if I can go seven and three, uh, over the 10 games this coming week, it's going to be a profitable season for me. And, uh. And that's a long way from where I was at 12 and 21 uh, just about a month ago uh, here. So so certainly a turnaround. I'm going to try to stay hot. Uh, we'll have that coming up in the second half of the show. But first, let's get into uh, everything that happened over Thanksgiving weekend, uh, rivalry weekend. Always a fun one. Uh, you know, if, if certain games don't live up, then other ones always do. One game that just always seems to live up, and it's perfect because I'm so thankful for this game that is always played on Thanksgiving night. And that, of course, is the Egg Bowl between Mississippi and Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State wins this game by a point at home, 21-20. to uh, Ole Miss down by 7, uh, driving the length of the field late in the game. They complete a long Uh, pass earlier in the drive. Uh, I believe it was on fourth down at that point. You know, kind of an amazing drive for the Rebels. Get down inside the 10-yard line, throw a touchdown pass. Looks like they're in great shape to tie the game. But alas, the receiver who caught the touchdown pass for Ole Miss uh, crawls like a dog through the end zone, lifts his leg as if to urinate onto the field. Receives a 15-yard on like conduct penalty for it. Gotta say, it was warranted. Uh, and then, of course, the kicker misses the, you know, you know however long, 30-something yard uh, PAT. And Mississippi State wins the game 21-20. And then just to kind of uh, add insult to injury, Ole Miss decides to go ahead and fire head coach Matt Luke uh, during this past week. So, you gotta think, you know, if his, if the receiver that receiver doesn't decide to uh, pretend to pee on the field, they make the extra point, go to overtime, potentially win the game. He probably keeps his job in that scenario. So that's a really tough beat uh, for head coach Matt Luke to have his employment status uh, directly impacted by a college student um, lifting his leg uh, and, and pretending to urinate. But that's college football for you. And that's why we love it. Uh, then moving ahead to Friday, I should note, by the way, everyone that went to see Frozen Two enjoyed Frozen Two. Everyone that didn't get go to see Frozen Two, we all had a lovely time, and uh, and both both adults and babies uh, came through the weekend completely happy and healthy, and uh, and everyone did a good job. Um, you know, no diapers were changed. I think, I think you know, babies are probably smarter than we give them credit for. And I think this particular baby probably knew that if he were to poop, um, it, you know, it wasn't going to be a great situation for anyone. So I think he just kind of knew that it would be best for him to just kind of hold everything in, you know, take it easy, and everything would be great. And, that, and that's how things went. So uh, all was good there. Uh, there was some football to be watched on Friday. Um, you know, first we had Virginia. Finally getting the monkey or let's call it the hokey off their back. Uh, they beat Virginia Tech 39 to 30 in what was a back and forth game the entire way. Uh, Virginia congratulations you now get to go and play Clemson in the ACC title game. Uh, we'll of course talk about that a little bit more in the second half of the show but good for Virginia um, Bryce Perkins was really good in this game. Uh, you could see you know that crowd was really excited. Um, it, it, meant a lot to Bronco Mendenhall, clearly a lot of celebrations on the sideline, just a, a game that clearly meant a lot to this, to this program and this fan base. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see what, uh, the committee ends up doing with the rankings. If, if they were to you know fall out of the rankings, if they got crushed by, um, if they got crushed by Clemson, but we'll see. Cause then it becomes a, scenario, who does the Orange Bowl want to pick? Uh, You have to think by winning their division and and beating Virginia Tech, they would be an attractive candidate for the Orange Bowl, but we will still have to see uh, what ends up happening there after the results this coming weekend. Uh, Also, we had Memphis and Cincinnati. Memphis uh, won that game 34-24 at home against Cincinnati, setting up a uh, conference championship game this coming weekend. At home against Cincinnati. Um, so, what did we learn from this game? Maybe not a lot. Uh, Cincinnati knew that they had their spot no matter what. Uh, Memphis was in a was in a win to get in situation. So they clearly had more to play for in this one. Um, whether or not Cincinnati, you know, held anything back, I guess we'll have to see. And that'll be for the uh, for the experts to discuss uh, coming up here in a little bit. Uh, last game on Friday that I'll mention. Iowa uh, knocked off Nebraska 27-24 with a late field goal. Uh, Nebraska falls to 5-7 and seven on this season. They've got to be the team that I was most wrong about uh, coming into this season. I had them playing uh, in the Big Ten Championship and actually pulling a huge upset and knocking Ohio State off in the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, I was obviously very, very wrong about that. But I was pretty good. I got uh, of the of in the Power Five uh, of the ten teams playing in the conference championship games. I got six of those ten teams correct. Um, I was also just looking at at some random things because, as you know, I pick uh, the entire schedule for all Power Five teams. Um, and like a team like Notre Dame, I, I correctly had going ten and two, uh, but I had them losing to Georgia and Virginia Tech when, in fact, they lost to Georgia and Michigan. There are five teams that I got every single one of their games right in the preseason, uh, those teams being Clemson. That one was pretty easy, considering I just picked them to win all of their games. Uh, Florida, Texas A&M, USC, which was actually kind of a, a challenging one that I just happened to nail, uh, and Rutgers going 2-10, uh, You know, just winning against uh, their two uh, group of five really kind of low-level teams and then losing to everyone else. So just uh, fun to look back over the season and see what, what we are right about, and and in, certainly in the case of Nebraska, what we were wrong about. Um, all right, moving ahead to Saturday, and we've got to start where the day started, and that's with Ohio State going into the big house, beating Michigan 56-27. Just looks, you know, it, Michigan, it, it, the game was close until it wasn't which was the same story uh, in 2018. It's, it's, it's a tough situation for Michigan. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not in a position to put Michigan down after what they did to Notre Dame this season. Uh, and I'm really not going to be in a position to put them down uh, for quite a while um, just because we're not playing them again. But at the same time, boy, it's got to be tough for Michigan to know that every year— your Thanksgiving weekend, you've got to play Ohio State, and it's probably not going to go well. And, and in a few very rare exceptions, it's not going to be close. Um, so you, you can have a good season, but then there's this, there's this referendum and, and this whole, uh, what do we do about the state of the program? And is Jim Harbaugh the guy? And are we able to recruit uh, high enough level athletes? That has to happen at the end of your season, every season. No matter how good your year was, Up to that point. If you lose by 29 points to your rival, this is a a conversation that happens at the end of the year. You know, that's just a tough place to be in. And until they can close that gap, that's gonna be the conversation every year. Even if they are the 10th or 12th best team in the entire country, if they're 30 points worse than Ohio State, you know, that that is going to be something that at the end of every season. Uh, you know, is is Harbaugh the guy? Uh, what else needs to change? You start making those big picture looks, and that can be that can be a tough existence uh, as a college football fan. Um, and this was a game. I mean, they neutralized Chase Young, um, which which was not what I expected. If you told me that Chase Young was going to have no sacks, I don't think he had any. He might not have had any tackles. Period. Um, I would have thought that this was uh, a game that Michigan certainly could have won. So uh, that is. Uh, that's a little bit scary for for how good this Ohio State team um, could be, and uh, and we'll get to see it again uh, this coming weekend against Wisconsin, a team that they've already beaten um, rather easily. Um, so Ohio State won easily. Uh, the rest of the top four, as they currently stand, LSU, Clemson, and Georgia, all won in blowouts. Georgia, however, uh, they're they're best receiver, their best healthy receiver George Pickens, uh, was ejected in the second half uh, for getting into a fist fight with a Georgia Tech player. He'll miss at least the first half of the SEC championship game. We'll have to see if he is suspended further by the SEC. You know keep in mind this Georgia offense um, you know has not exactly been a juggernaut to begin with. Their best receiver, Lawrence Cager. Uh, he got injured a couple games ago. He's out for the rest of the year. And now with George Pickens, their best uh, their best remaining receiver being suspended for at least the first half. Got to think that's going to be really a problem for the Georgia passing game uh, moving forward against LSU. Uh, we'll have to see what we think about how much that in, could impact the outcome of that game. Uh, the Iron Bowl. Boy, how did I make it 11 minutes and 30 seconds into this podcast Without discussing this Iron Bowl, well, for one, unfortunately, I didn't get to—I didn't get to watch as nearly as much of this game as I would have wanted to, because as a Notre Dame fan, uh, I was watching the Notre Dame game, and these were uh, taking place at the same time for the most part, and it was a situation where, if you you know, you would just kind of you would change the channel during commercials, but during the course of one, you know session of game where, you know, in between commercials where I wouldn't be switching the Iron Bowl, like 26 points would somehow be scored. And just following along on our phones uh, and, and then switching back and forth and just seeing what was happening. It was pretty wild stuff. Uh, I should, you probably know this if you're listening, but I should mention that Auburn beat Alabama 48 to 45. It was a game that included two Auburn pick sixes, uh, Alabama had a kickoff return for a touchdown. The second quarter alone, okay, I was mentioning that you'd change the channel, you'd come back, all of a sudden so many points had been scored. The second quarter alone, there were 48 combined points scored. I I don't know where that ranks. I, we, we maybe can go back to that famous Oklahoma-Texas Tech game with uh, Baker Mayfield uh, going up against Patrick Mahomes and see if there were any quarters with 48 points scored. Um, but... Yeah, just wild stuff there. Um, of course, this game hinges on weird special teams things and field goals. Uh, Auburn uh, gets a second putback on the clock. Not just important that they got the second putback on the clock at the end of the first half, but also that they took the time to review it, which allowed Auburn to get their field goal unit out onto the field and snap the ball while the clock was stopped, something that certainly would not have happened if they didn't review the situation. Um, and, and then they make the long field goal to give themselves three points that maybe they didn't deserve. And then, of course, at the end of the game, Alabama doinks a pretty short field goal off the left upright. Um, it wouldn't be an Iron Bowl without kicking mishaps for Alabama. And then, of course, the game pretty much iced away as on fourth down, Nick Saban gets outfoxed. By Gus Malzahn, who runs a, a tricky little formation, putting his punter out wide, uh, getting Alabama stuck in a 12 men on the field situation to give Auburn the first down uh, and and allow them to ice the game away with kneel downs. Which I don't think you wanted to be punting to Jalen Waddle at the end of this game. So you might just be thinking, oh, you know, they were just going to be punting with under a minute left. What was Alabama really going to do? The way this game was going, there was probably like a 60% chance that Jalen Waddell was taking that punt return to the house. Um, so, you know, great uh, great job there by Gus Malzahn. Nick Saban was very salty about it after the fact. Alabama falls all the way to 12 in the most recent college football playoff rankings. Uh, Auburn is ahead of them, which means unless, unless something happens that makes the committee change their minds uh, over the course of the next week, Looks like Auburn's going to be getting that Orange Bowl slot uh, for for the SEC, uh, and and Alabama likely to fall to the Citrus Bowl. This will be their first non-New Year Six-slash-BCS Bowl game since 2010. Uh, in 2010, they happen to play in the Capital One Bowl, which has now become the Citrus Bowl. Uh, so same game for them. It's, uh, you know, they, they get to kind of bookend the decade. With Citrus Bowl appearances, they blew Michigan State out uh, in that game. But back in 2010, this was a team that uh, wasn't quite at the stature they are now. I think they still uh, probably cared about such bowl games. This year, I would be shocked. I would think anyone that's planning to go to the NFL draft for Alabama is going to sit this one out. We've seen what happened the last two times that Alabama played in non-playoff or national championship bowl games, uh, getting blown out by Oklahoma in one, and uh, was, was it Utah in, in the other? Um, I know they got blown out by Utah uh, a couple of years earlier, but anyway, I don't know. Sounds right. Um, so yeah, that's where we are with Alabama. This is, uh, this is, you know, it would be great. A lot of teams would love for this to kind of be uh, the absolute depth of your program. But that's where we are. Uh, Alabama hitting new lows that they have not hit uh, in, in 10 years. Um, and we'll see, can, can, can they right the ship? Uh, there were certainly a lot of injuries this year, uh, a lot of staff turnover, even by Alabama's standards coming into this year. So can they, can they kind of form a cohesive unit, um, and, and right the ship going forward? Certainly Clemson, uh, Clemson and Ohio State seem to be maybe moving more in the, in the positive direction, maybe widening the gap a little bit. Um, you know, it seems like with the Patriots in the NFL, like once a year, people start to uh, to shovel the dirt over the Patriots. It doesn't really seem to happen with Alabama. Um, everyone's kind of always said, yeah, they might have lost, you know, this national championship game, but they're still going to be one of the two or three best teams in the country. This is the first time I think people are legitimately asking the question, uh, you know, will Alabama start to slip off of that perch of the absolute top of the top teams? Um I guess I'll kind of I'll I'll kind of go down the middle a little bit. I'll say I'll say yes. I think they're I think they are going to be behind Clemson and Ohio State for the foreseeable future. Uh, but I still I don't think they're all of a sudden going to fall into mediocrity. I think there's still going to be a perennial top five team that is competing for playoff spots and national championships. But I don't think that they are going to be on the level uh, of Clemson or, Ho- or Ohio State again uh, during this Nick Saban era. All right, moving on to the Big Ten, uh, the de facto Big Ten semifinal. Um, Wisconsin wins this game 38-17 over Minnesota. Uh, They took the lead just before half and never looked back from there. You know, great season for Minnesota. They were in a situation looking at this game, watching on TV. You know, Minnesota used to play, um, what was the name of, I want to say the Superdome, but that's, That's uh, that's New Orleans, whatever the name of the place where the Vikings and Minnesota used to play um, back before the roof caved in. Uh, But now they play outside and and the snow and everything that's kind of new to them. And getting this, you almost had the feeling, you know, Wisconsin just like thought, oh, this weather's cute. Almost hit him with the like the the you merely adopted the snow. We were born in it. Are people still doing Bane, Dark Knight impressions, Dark Knight Rises impressions in 2019? If not, they probably should be, because that that sounded sweet, um, if if you ask me. Um, so Wisconsin just rolls through. Uh, they're they're able to run the ball. Uh, they keep, you know, getting it to Jonathan Taylor both on the ground and through the air, um, and they looked like a team that is primed to go lose to Ohio State uh, by. Two or three touchdowns. That's this Wisconsin team is really good. Um, Minnesota was really good. They're just not on the level of Ohio State, but we've seen upsets in conference championship games before. Uh, and we'll see if the Badgers have the chance to do it. Another interesting question there is if Wisconsin loses uh, to Ohio State, do they stay ahead of Penn State for that coveted Rose Bowl spot? Um, that'll be an interesting question. You know, does does a team get penalized? for making uh, their conference championship game and then losing in it um, would be an interesting situation where uh, Wisconsin will at that point have lost twice to Ohio State. Penn State would have given uh, Ohio State their closest game of the season. I guess my guess is a lot of it will come down to how close the Big Ten championship game is. If Wisconsin were to lose by say 11 points or fewer, um, which would be what Penn State did in their matchup with Ohio State, then I think you, you likely see Wisconsin get rewarded and they go to the, the Rose Bowl. Um, but if, if, it's, if it's a two-touchdown loss or more, I think they likely fall behind Penn State and then the Nittany Lions go to Pasadena uh, for that game. Um, aside from Wisconsin, you're looking at Utah, Oregon, Oklahoma, Baylor. Those are sort of the four teams uh, with playoff hopes. Even if they are slim hopes, but playoff hopes going into championship week. Uh, Those four teams, you know, Utah and Oregon playing each other in the Pac 12 championship game, Oklahoma and Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. All four of those teams won comfortably. And that leads us into our discussion of the 10 conference championship games coming up this weekend. And with that, let's turn it over to my conversation. With my two college football gambling experts. All right. Well, uh, a lot of the listeners of the Scoop and Score podcast could probably be considered college football gambling experts. And while while I'd like to have uh, I'd I'd like to have all of you listeners on the show at some point, it seemed like for marketing purposes, it was probably best to go with the two people with the best gambling sounding names. And with that, I have to welcome Tommy Vegas and Danny Dimes to the Scoop and Score podcast. What's going on, guys?
1: What's up, Steve? How's it going? How's it going Steve?
2: All right, How's so, good? yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have you both. We've got Championship Week coming up here uh, this weekend, starting on Friday night. Uh, we're talking here on Wednesday night, so any lines uh, that we talk about uh, are going to be as of about 845 PM Eastern Time here, uh, in, you know, in case we give any great numbers and and all of a sudden the sharps hear this this recording and and the big money starts swinging, you know, certain ways. This is uh, this is the timestamp of when we were on uh, certain numbers. So just want that out there for the listeners. Let's get started. Uh, Friday night, Utah and Oregon playing for the Pac-12 championship. Do either of you have any uh, strong feelings? Let's. I'll go to Danny first. Any strong feelings on either the number or the total uh, in this game?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'd say my favorite play on this game is the under. I mean, I think if you look at the, the forecast, um, it calls for, for wind and rain, uh, that's why I think you saw the number. Uh, dropped five points uh, from fifty-one to forty-six total. Um, yeah, you know, I've watched a lot of Pac-12 after dark. Um, you know, at the bars late night. Uh, so I've seen both of these teams a lot. Wagered on both. I I can
2: I teams. can attest to that. And I, I, we should let the <laughs> listeners know as as a warning. Anything you say about Oregon here, you've had some bad experiences with Oregon over the past two seasons. So just a a fair warning. Uh, any anything that you know, Danny says about Oregon could have uh, some bias in it due to some, some scars that are still here healing.
1: Thanks. Thanks for calling that out, Steve. Yeah. That uh, Stanford Oregon game from last year definitely still stinks, but um, yeah. So I look, I'll say I think both teams have have pretty good running games. Uh, I think that's going to chew up a lot of the clock. Uh, I just, I don't trust Herbert at all. Um, I think he stinks. I think any NFL team that drafts him in the first round is going to totally regret that decision, uh, and I think that's going to be on full display. You know, given that this is the the island game on Friday, the only thing people will be watching the people that haven't seen a lot of Herbert uh, will probably see what I'm talking about. Uh, so, you know, just based on that, I'm leaning Utah in this game. Uh, they've covered each straight. Uh, and they're playing for a chance uh, to make the playoff as the four seed. Uh, I think Oregon's bubble burst uh, two weeks ago. You know when they lost. Um, was that to Arizona State, I believe? Yes, it was. Yes, um, and and I think there's a there's a big coaching edge with Utah. So I'd lean Utah, but I think my buddy
2: yeah. I like that under as well. Uh, before I get into some of the numbers that I came up with, Tommy, do you have any strong feeling on, on the total, uh, before we go in more to the, uh, to the, the, against the spread number?
0: You know, I mean, I think the weather that Danny mentioned is, is a big driver of that, uh, kind of opened higher has been driven down. I think there's going to be wind, rain, you know, has underwritten all over it. I don't have strong feelings, but I think the, uh, sentiment explain is right
2: on. Yeah, I did some I did some digging into the numbers and Utah's holding Pac-12 opponents to 17 points per game uh, below that team's average points per game. Um, so if if we apply that to Oregon, uh, we're we're looking at Oregon scoring in the 20 range. Um, so I certainly like this um, under number more when it was up at like 50 or, or or 49 or 48 and a half where I saw it earlier in the week. Uh, 46 where we are right now. I think I think we're getting close uh, to to where it should be, but I do like that weather angle um, factoring in, uh, and I and I do like the under as the play. Now Danny mentioned he he leans Utah uh, mostly just because he. He seems to personally hate Justin Herbert. Tommy, where are you leaning on uh, on this on this game uh, against the spread?
0: I think all of the value in the spread is gone. You know, it opened at three, almost immediately it jumped to six and a half, where it is now. Given that under, you know, we're looking at like a twenty-four, twenty-one type game. I'd like Utah to win, but I think the, the six and a half points in that kind of flop fest, low scoring, control the clock game. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's any value in the spread there. So I like Utah if you want to put it in a, a teaser as part of a moneyline piece, um, but I'd stay away from uh, laying points.
2: I think you're right on there I've got this game at 24 to 20 Utah coming out with the victory um, I think your point about a tease if as, as an option uh, if you want to maybe put it in like a money line parlay I can certainly see that as well but this you know deciding whether or not you think this is gonna be 24 20 or 27 um, 20 and that's the thing that's gonna sp- uh, you know flop the spread you um, I do. I do have Oregon plus the points in my official picks of the week, but I, I think it's certainly uh, it's certainly gonna be right in that range, and I, I think the idea of of going with a teaser uh, or something like that uh, is probably the right idea. So, you know, nothing wrong with we're, we're certainly gonna have some disagreements. Not everything's gonna be a consensus here, and if there is a consensus, probably note to the listeners maybe fade that side because that means something's up but uh you know we're we're here to present information present uh points of view and perspective and and hopefully uh, the listener can make their own decision so it sounds like we came away uh danny leaning uh utah uh myself and tommy leaning oregon and all three of us like that under right correct steve
1: would you say the three of us collectively are more uh... Three pros or three joes or, or closer to which one?
2: Boy, I mean, in terms of bankroll, you've got you've got one or let's let's bankroll is not even the right thing to say. In terms of willingness to put money into play, we've got a pro, and two. I don't even know if maybe two joeys? Um. <laughs> <laughs> but from, I think from a diagnostic standpoint of really uh, examining the game and, and getting into the numbers and looking at those trends, I think we're three pros here. Would would you guys agree with that sentiment? I,
0: I, I would have gone two and one, but since you're
2: the host we can go three now. Wow, that I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm ten and two in my last twelve picks. Things are really starting to turn around, uh, and that that's a hurtful. That is a hurtful thing to say. All right, uh, let's move on to the next game here. We've got Miami, Ohio, and Central Michigan um, spread as I'm seeing it right now. Central Michigan minus 6.5, the total at 54. Tommy, uh, what's your take on this game?
0: So I actually really like the under in this game a lot more than you know, the one we were just talking about. I think uh, Miami's strength is their defense. Uh, their 2B left their last game is questionable. Um, I really just see if Miami's going to be in this game that it's lower scoring control the clock. Um, also, the a kind of special teams nugget. Central Michigan's kicker has been one of the worst in the country. So if uh, you know, you're getting down to it and there's a field goal that's going to tip the scale. This guy has not come through for, for anybody all year. So I lean, uh, lean under in this game, and I also like Miami with the points just in a, in a closer game. Give me, the, give me the
1: touchdown.
2: Danny, what do you think about that? Right. I, I, I
1: cringe when you talk about kickers because I don't really trust any college and or pro kicker nowadays. Uh with all of them missing extra points and field goals, but you know, just on this game, and I hate, I hate laying six and a half. I, I'd rather lay seven. I, I just feel like when Vegas puts a number out of six and a half, they're assuming most of the public is going to lay it, and, and think that the team wins by a touchdown. But um, I, I think you, you don't have to go further than a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, with Miami, Miami of Ohio playing Akron, which was the worst team. Uh, in college football this year and only winning by a field goal. Um, yeah, I also looked at, at common opponents of, of these two teams recently. Um, uh, you know, central, central Michigan, um, I think beat ball state by, by two touchdowns. Uh, whereas Miami of Ohio, no, sorry, central Michigan beat ball state by one Miami of Ohio lost to ball state by two touchdowns. Um, and I think, you know, just looking at the offensive stats of, of all 10 games, um, you know, Miami of Ohio has the, the worst offense of the of the 20 teams involved. So, uh, you know, I'll go with Central Michigan and, and hope that they win by at least a touchdown.
2: Yeah, looking at this one, I, uh, I I went to my algorithm, and it's an algorithm that, it's, it's it's stood up under pressure. I mean, if if you you know if you remember last year uh, going into the NCAA tournament, this is the same algorithm that said Michigan should be like a 53 point favorite over Montana in their first round matchup, and they covered their. 16 point spread or whatever it was, easily. Um, so, I, I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I don't know that I've watched either one of these two teams for more than a couple plays here and there while switching channels this year. Um, but the algorithm says Central Michigan should be a four point favorite. So, hey, that's two and a half points of free value. I've got to lean Central Michigan. Sorry. What? Uh, sorry. I got to lean Miami Ohio. Uh, and take the six and a half there. I will note, Danny, you said you said you hate l- laying six and a half. You've now done it twice in two games.
1: Yeah, that, that's going to turn in the next uh, the next set of games uh, that we discuss. So.
2: <laughs> okay, very good, Tommy. Did you have anything you wanted to add there?
1: Well, I just say at the
0: time of recording, I'm seeing seven right now. And wow! Think, you know, get, getting that full touchdown is is why I like it even more. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, now if, you know, if we were...
2: That makes you and Danny both feel more confident in your picks. You're happy to be getting seven, and he's happy to be giving seven.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> if we were live, if we were live streaming this, I would say that people were just betting against Eve's algorithm, and and the number jumped to half a point.
2: But... <laughs> Bet against the algorithm at your own peril. It has been a winner time and time. Actually, just one time. It was a winner one time, and. Uh, And I think the thing we all need to remember is if the algorithm ever spits out a 52 point favorite, you just have to bet all of your money on that team. All right. Um, how about another six and a half point spread as I'm currently seeing it? Um, let's go to Appalachian state and Louisiana. Uh, Danny, let's go back to you. What do you, what's your take on this one?
1: Yes. So this is the, this is my, uh, the opposite of what I've been saying. Um, you know, I, I, I like the plus six and a half on, uh, UL Lafayette. I mean, I think when the, when the public sees these two teams, um, the average better has heard of Appalachian state. They probably haven't heard of the raging Cajuns. Uh, they, they remember the, the big win at the big house, uh, years back when they beat Michigan. Um, you know, I, just digging into to some of these, uh, these teams past games, I, I think both have a pretty good rush games. Um, the one thing that, that stuck out is Appalachian State has had a lot of trouble stopping the run. Um, they're one of the worst teams allowing big plays uh, to opposing ground games. Uh, and UL Lafayette has a pretty good red zone defense. So I think, you know, Appalachian State's going to be able to, to move the ball. Uh, but I could see a couple of those drives stalling in the red zone. And them having to uh, to settle for field goal attempts, which, knowing college kickers, they'll, they'll probably miss a couple of those. So, um, you know, I like the Raging Cajuns t- to keep it within a touchdown and, and could eventually uh, pull off the upset.
2: You know, you say you think college football fans remember back to, uh, I believe it was 2004, uh, or no, sorry, 2007, um, when, when Appalachian State knocked off Michigan. I'm just remembering back to, like, October, Or maybe late September, when these two teams played on the field at Louisiana. Uh, I should note that this uh, this is one of the uh, conference championship games that will be played on campus, and it will be played in Boone at Appalachian State as a home game for them. They played this matchup at Louisiana earlier in the season, and and the Mountaineers uh, won by 10 in that game.
0: Steve, just before you go any further, yeah. how many how many plays of that game did you watch?
2: Zero plays.
0: I watched almost all of them.
2: What were you what were you doing <laughs> that day? <laughs> it was either a Wednesday or Thursday night,
0: but I, I was heavily invested in that game, believe it or not, and I could not agree more with Danny that the uh ULL to play here.
2: It was October ninth. it was a Wednesday it was a Wednesday night. It was Yom Kapoor for some of our listeners out there. Um, anyway, continue. It was closer than the seventeen seven
0: University it was a three point favorite in that game. So even if you just the three points typical for for home field kind of both ways, that would put them as a three point dog in this game. They're getting six and a half or maybe even seven that I already walked in. Uh, you know, I agree with all the points Danny made. And I just think that, you know, they're, they're a live dog in this game and could, could potentially pull out the, uh, the straight-up upset.
2: Wow. I mean, this is certainly a, a team that, you know, you often see playing in one of those early uh, early bowl games uh, right, in the, right on that first Saturday. I feel like they're always in, like, the New Orleans Bowl. Um, so... Uh, a, a lot of familiarity with, with the program, but I, yeah, I, I haven't seen a lot of them this year. Danny, do you have something that you wanted to uh, to add there?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to ask Tommy, so when you said you were heavily invested in the game, which which side were you on? I am on Louisiana Lafayette. So
2: I wish I had answered that I'm before, coming Tommy.
1: Back for, coming back for uh, redemption. I just... I, I, get, I the, give you a lot of... That's, uh, that makes me like the play even more, because... Uh, usually if I have a team that, that loses to to another team and they play again the same year, I either stay away or, or try to go with the opposite side. But
0: but I, you know I mean they were they they were in that game. They basically they moved the ball, they couldn't finish drives. I was I mean basically most impressed with their defense upstate. You know, wasn't getting anything easily and I think obviously come into play in a conference cha- championship they'll be uh, you know, ready for revenge and I'll be back in a
2: what what that tells me is the fact that, that Tommy was on Louisiana. Of course he's going to say that the game was closer than... The, he probably, you know, thought they should have been winning by 28 points the whole time. I
0: mean, it was 7-7 at the half. They had a late kind of fourth quarter touchdown to bring it from 10-7 to 17-7, and, and that was the final.
2: That is a late touchdown. I, I am seeing that here. You know, I... Uh, your your reasoning is, is based on more football watching than mine, but hey, I'll take the team that won by 10 on the road uh, playing at home uh, and, and with a bit of a track record so far this season, obviously coming into the game at 11-1. and uh, I'll stick with the Mountaineers in that one. You guys are both on the Raging Cajuns. We, we are yet, through three games, we are yet to have a consensus 3-0 pick. Uh, either of you guys have any takes On the total, uh, seeing it at about 56 right now. I'm hearing nothing. I'm assuming that we... All right. uh, Shall we move on to uh, a bigger name game uh, at noon on Saturday? The Big 12 Championship. Another rematch of a game we've seen uh, earlier in the year. And that's Baylor facing up against Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Uh, it's, it's nine right now. Uh, Oklahoma is favored. Um, and, and the total is 64. Uh, Tommy, let's go to you. Uh, what do you think about this one?
0: So this is kind of a, a no field game for me. You know, if I had to make a bet, which I probably will because, you know, cause you're a degenerate action. Exactly. Uh, I'm probably going to lay the points. Uh, I'll probably take Oklahoma. I think everybody's all over Baylor. They remember, you know, how close they were to beating them the last time they played. But, you know, they couldn't hold a 25 point lead at home to an Oklahoma team that was missing, you know, arguably their best player in CD Lamb. Uh, And I'll take Oklahoma in this spot. They're kind of the team that's done there, been in this situation before, you know, playing on the turf. And getting getting land back, I think, uh, is going to make
1: a difference. And if I had to make a bet, I'd
2: uh, I'd play the points. Danny, what do you think?
1: So it looks like we're going to be uh, zero for four in consensus. Um, one one thing that scares me a little bit about liking Baylor in this game is, um, you know, just looking at the total bets and, and total money. Uh, about sixty nine percent of it is is on Baylor currently. Nice. Uh, I, I always get a little shy when uh, when the public likes an underdog. Uh, it doesn't tend to work out well. But just you know, from a, a handicapping angle, of this uh, I'm going to go with a couple angles. First one being the revenge narrative. Um, you know, obviously, many of us remember the. The big lead that that baylor blew uh when these guys you know faced off uh last month
2: and based uh, on some of the people i was hanging out at amity hall with watching the game i can say there are a few people that probably don't remember all of the game either
1: <laughs> um i i also think uh i think rule is the only coach in the big 12 that, that can match wits with with lincoln riley um as a giant fan, I, I kind of hope we fire Shermer and get Rule. Uh, I think Rule realizes he, he made a huge mistake uh, taking his foot off the gas uh, the last time these guys played and they built a, uh, a three or four touchdown lead. Um, I'm also not really impressed with the current form that Oklahoma is in. Uh, this is not the Oklahoma that we've known from the past couple of years that they're just team-rolling opponents. Uh, look back at last week. Uh, they were only up 20-16 to 16 late in the third against Oklahoma State. So I think the final score of that game is a little misleading. Uh, before that, they had trouble with TCU winning by four. Uh, they had that three-point win in the comeback against Baylor. Uh, they beat Iowa State by one, and they lost to K State before that. So as you can see, they haven't particularly been blowing out opponents um, that they've played over the last month and a half. Uh, and I think Baylor is, is better than than any of those teams that, that I mentioned. Um, so I, I think you're going to see Baylor try to control the clock, uh, limit possessions that, that Hertz has on on offense. And I think they'll keep this within one score uh, and have a decent chance to, to pull off the upset.
2: Boy, I'm just going to co-sign everything that you just said. Um, one thing here, and I, I, especially, I especially like that you pointed out, uh, I think Matt Rule is a really good coach, and I think he'll have this team in a good mindset. Um Something that I've just talked about on the podcast over the last few weeks is Oklahoma having a terrible half uh, in each game over the last month kind of uh, got over that a little bit against Oklahoma State, put together a pretty complete game. But everyone worried about Baylor's mindset uh, coming out of that collapse against Oklahoma. Crushed Texas, crushed Kansas. Uh, they're playing really good football. And one thing that I actually think works in Baylor's favor and and something that might be a little counterintuitive Oklahoma is going to feel the need to blow the doors off Baylor in order to jump Utah and get into the college football playoff. I think that this Baylor team is not the kind of defense that you're going to, you know, just run and shoot and try to run up the score. I think that can get you into some trouble. I think this Oklahoma offense has been turnover prone when they've made mistakes. It's been because of turnovers. I could see, uh, Baylor forcing, you know, two maybe even three turnovers in this game, and keeping it very close, and and like you said, having a chance to win at the end. Tommy, do you have anything that uh, now that you've heard us both take the other side? Anything you want to say to refute that?
0: Well, I was just going to bring up that that same point that you just mentioned. You know, Utah playing on Friday night. You know, let's say Utah wins, you know, by less than a touchdown. Oklahoma's going to know obviously that they have to win, and they're going to be for all intents and purposes, putting on a show for the selection committee, you know, saying and showing that they deserve to be in the playoffs. So they're going to try and and run it up, like you said, and I think that's a a factor Uh, in terms of covering this spread, I think. You know, they're not going to get comfortable. I don't think they're going to sit back and try and sit on the lead a little bit like Baylor did when they had the lead, and they're kind of going to keep pressing. And, you know, like I alluded to earlier, I think – C.D. you know, missing that Baylor game before and, and being back for this one is going to be the
2: difference maker. Well, there you go. I mean, that's that's one point of information, but two different perspectives on it. So you decide, uh, you decide which side of that coin uh, you think makes more sense, and 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 certainly go with it. But uh, so so Danny and I, oh, go ahead.
1: Just, just just I guess one question for the for the both of you then. Um, I guess what's the scenario where Oklahoma feels like they need to totally blow out the, the opponent is it if Utah wins by four touchdowns are they do they need to put on more of a show if that's the case or if, if Utah just wins in a close game do you think that um, you know they feel like they need to, to blow him blow them out and, and really run up the score or
2: I mean, I guess you'd be in a situation by the more that Utah won by, the more Baylor would feel the need to do that. I don't think there's like a scenario where U- Utah wins forty-nine uh, nothing and Oklahoma just says, "Ah, shucks, like we're not we're not going to be able to pass them." I, I think they would still uh, try to get after it at that point. So, I, I- any U- any Utah win is probably the answer to that question. Um, but I-, I, you know, the more that Utah wins by, the more that Oklahoma is going to feel the need to go out there and put it on Baylor.
1: And if, if- Let's say Utah loses. Do you think that um, Oklahoma plays a little more conservative, knowing that a, a, a win probably gets them in, no matter what margin?
2: I think that is a factor um, and, and something that you know you I could agree. certainly be yeah. And there you go. So I, I think that's something that you could uh, you could factor in. Uh, but you know, with a spread, eh, I guess nine is is a big enough spread that the difference between trying to. Uh, Trying to you know increase that lead versus playing a little bit more conservative could be a factor. So that could be a line uh, that you want to keep an eye on coming out of coming out of Friday night's Pac-12 championship game. And and yeah, if if you decide you know if Utah loses and that's more of a reason uh, to bet Baylor, thinking that it'll stay closer, that that Kurt certainly could be an angle uh, that you want to play. Anything else from this game before we uh, before we go forward? All right. Alrighty, uh, Let's go to one of my very favorite coaches in all of college football. Uh, of course, talking about Lane Kiffin, uh, Florida Atlantic will be playing against the UAB Blazers just recently back from uh, disbanding their college football program. This game being played at FAU as well. Uh, the spread right now, I'm seeing FAU minus seven and a half with the total at about 49 and a half. Uh, Danny, what do you think about this one?
1: Yeah. So admittedly, I haven't watched uh, much of either of these two teams. Um, but just kind of looking back at the, the recent form of, of both of them, um, you, you know, I, would say, I'd say I like FAU particularly in a teaster. So they would just have to win. Um, you know, I looked at UAB's last uh, three away games since this will be a home game for FAU. Uh, UAB is only putting up 12 points a game. Uh, whereas FAU's, you know, been blowing out teams at home, uh, and you know, I think FAU's offense is, is probably the best unit on the field. Uh, you mentioned Lane Kiffin, you know, definitely have the coaching advantage as well. So, um, you know, I, I think FAU wins. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm willing to lay a touchdown plus, but uh, I'd like them in a teaser. Tommy game stole the words right out of my mouth. You know, I
0: mentioned the, the teaser maybe with Utah, and I think this would be, you know, be the logical game to pair it with. Tease them down to, you know, minus one and a half or so and just, uh, you know, get out of there with a win. I do think um, FAU is a better team here. Um, UAB is really only here because I think it was Louisiana Tech imploded um so I think the tease is the way to go. Take, take that money and uh, and move on to, to more exciting games. I actually don't think this one will be particularly interesting to watch. Um, that's kind of all
2: I got there. Yeah, I mean, you guys are talking teasers. We're all on the same side of this one. I just don't see the point in teasing it down. I think if you want to uh, you know, just, just go out and don't rely on any other games in this one, just lay the 7.5 and, and, and take your win. I, this, this spread... Is, it's one of those things, and we talk about it a lot uh, when when we're talking about spreads, and it's like, when is something just a bad line versus when is it fishy? Um, because this one seems way too small to me. I could see Florida Atlantic winning this game by three touchdowns without much trouble. Um, I gotta say, I also sort of like the over in this one, but I guess that's, that's incumbent uh, upon UAB uh, getting any kind of offensive game going. Um, but but FAU is allowing 24 points a game so they're they're not stout defensively um I don't know I guess i i, I sort of like the over uh if you're just looking for more action but in terms of this game I think if you lay that seven and a half you're uh you're in pretty safe hands I'm sure that I, the fact that I've said that uh now now they're done for i guess if you guys were forced to take a side are you, are you both taking FAU is this our first uh consensus pick here
1: yeah after just this- Listening to both of you speak, I I think I'm going to take a Utah-FAU teaser, given that uh, Utah plays Friday night. Uh, If Utah wins, then I have this teaser open. Um, And if Utah somehow loses, then I'll just double up on the points uh, and take FAU.
2: That's the kind of insight I love to hear, and that's the kind of play we love to make. Tommy, anything else on this one before we move to the favorite conference of the Scoop and Score podcast, the American Athletic Conference?
0: Agreed.
2: All right, let's get to it. Uh, Cincinnati plays Memphis in a game that I feel like I just watched. Um, This game will be played at Memphis. Again, feels like I just saw that. Memphis currently a a 9.5 point favorite. Uh, The total there is 57.5. Tommy, what do you think for this one?
0: This game, I've wavered back and forth. I I really don't have strong convictions. You know, I didn't watch the game last week. I know Cincinnati, the game that, you know, next to nothing uh, to them. I think the spread was around two touchdowns. They did cover in that game. It was like like 10
2: and a half, I think. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. I thought it was a little little bit more. Um, But, uh, yeah, obviously a lot more to play for in this one. I do think Memphis is a better team, but Cincinnati just kind of has that, that gritty feel to them. Kind of maybe muck up the game, slow it up a little bit. Um, Again, yeah, no strong convictions. I'd probably lean Cincinnati in taking the points, but uh, interested to hear what you guys say to convince me otherwise.
2: Danny, what do you think on this one?
1: Yeah, so so this goes back to to a point that I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, any time that you see an underdog getting uh, a majority of the bets, I, I like to fade that. Um, so, as I look now, Cincinnati's getting about sixty percent of the bets, about sixty-five percent of the money. Uh, so I like Memphis in this game. I think Cincinnati's going to totally regret not knocking Memphis out last week when they had the chance. Uh, Steve, I believe Navy would have been the matchup if they would have won last week. Is that right? If, if,
2: if Cincinnati had beat Memphis, then yes, Navy would have slotted into Memphis's spot here uh, to play Cincinnati this week.
1: Yeah, so I think Navy would have actually been a better matchup for Cincinnati. Um, so I'd be a little more worried about this line if, uh, and this kind of game situation, which is unique playing back-to-back. Uh, if Cincinnati had an explosive offense and, and maybe it was possible... Uh, you know they were holding some back, holding some stuff back last week, offensively uh, to use in the championship game. Uh, but if you look at the numbers, I mean, Cincinnati ra- ranks only 88th offensively uh, in yards per play compared to Memphis, who's who's eighth on offense. Uh, I think if Memphis gets up early, uh, they'll be able to take away the run game, which is uh, Cincinnati's strength with with Chuck Warren. Uh, and I just don't think that Ritter can make enough plays. I know he didn't play last week, but at least what I've been reading is it sounds like he's he's likely to to start this game. Uh, and then just looking back at you know since Memphis' only loss, um, you know two months ago, their, their average margin of victory has been uh, by 17 points a game in the last six games. So uh, I think they win by by at least two touchdowns.
2: Okay, I'm going to take the other side here. Uh, I, I also think this is one of the the hardest uh, games of the week uh, to pick and it is funny given that we, we truly just watched it. One question I have, how much are the, uh, how much are the geniuses in Vegas being paid to make uh, the total 57 and a half and the spread nine and a half off uh, coming off of a 34, 24 finish just a week ago? They're, they're just predicting the exact same game to happen again this week. Um, and when I look at it from that angle, that's why I'm leaning Cincinnati. Um, I, I understand, Danny, what you're saying about the regret letting Memphis uh, get in. And we do sometimes see that happen where a team gets in uh, based on beating a team and then they they beat them again. Um, but in this situation, it, it, Memphis is the better team. So it's not as if, you know, Cincinnati went light on them. Uh, and, and that's why they were able uh, to get into this conference championship game. Uh, but I do think just the added motivating factor of this being for the conference championship, this possibly uh, being for a Cotton Bowl berth, depending on how the committee views uh, the winner of this game against probably Boise State. Um, I like that playing in Cincinnati's favor. Um, they were also, uh, Cincinnati was, you know, that, that game was closer than 10 points most of that game. So if anything... Uh, they were, they were on the better side of that 10 point loss. And then lastly, you mentioned it, Ritter, uh, it sounds like he could be starting. So I like that boost for Cincinnati in this game after he missed last game. And if he isn't able to go, that's just more experience for that backup who, uh, who actually looked decent, uh, being able to make plays with both his arms and his leg, um, arm, arm plural. I don't think he did anything with his left arm. Um, yeah, so that's, that's where, that's where I'm at, um. What Anything you
1: want I to refute that,
0: there?
1: No, I was just going to say, I mean, I think the point that you made about this essentially being the same spread and over-under as, as last week is, is why Cincinnati's taking a lot of the money. I mean, they, they didn't have much to play for, uh, whereas Memphis had everything to play for, and they were down their starting quarterback, uh, and Vegas is essentially telling you that it's the same spread as that game. Uh, so it seems... A little fishy. So you're, to me.
2: you're telling me I'm a square, is what you're telling me. <laughs> I'll
1: tell you after. What time's this game? I'll tell you a couple minutes
2: after. 3:30 Eastern on ABC for all okay, of the well, listeners out there that uh, that want to set their dials, if dials are still a thing that people have. Uh, any any other notes on this one before we move ahead? Nope. All righty. Um, so I said that FAU is my favorite play of the day my, my, my 1A1B play of the day um, is is in this Boise State versus Hawaii game. I guess I'll take the lead on this one. Boise laying 14, uh, the the over under 64 and a half in this one. Um, Hawaii there are a couple angles here. Boise's playing at home, so that's that's a significant travel for Hawaii. Hawaii's already locked into the Hawaii Bowl. Uh, they know I think they're they've already uh, they already know they're playing BYU. So their bowl game is set. They get to play at home in, in in beautiful Hawaii. I don't think winning the Mountain West Championship means nearly as much to them as it does to Boise State. Um, Boise State is is just a much better team. Uh, these two teams played on a, on October 12th. Uh, in that game, Boise State had a 31 point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, before ultimately winning 59 to 37, uh, and and as I mentioned with uh, that American Athletic Conference championship game, Boise State could be playing for a Cotton Bowl b- berth in this one. I think they're going to be very focused uh, and 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 you know not uh, not letting up at all. I could see them easily having a three touchdown lead at half, and uh, and I see no reason to believe that. Uh, Hawaii would be able to win the second half outright. So uh, I love laying the 14 there, and I would expect uh, Boise State to win this game by nearly four touchdowns. One of you jump in, tell me why. Um, tell me why I'm wrong to think this is uh, the one of the locks of the week. Uh, I
0: I'll, I'll well, uh, go on, just, uh, yeah, I was just going to say after Danny texts you that you're square from the 3:30 game ending, I'll text you after this four o'clock game ends. <laughs> Iowa uh, square again. You know, I just the public is all over Boise State. Every once so,
2: in a while, the public's you know, right.
0: Seventy-six percent of the tickets are on Boise, but actually, a greater percentage—you know—the money is on Hawaii. I don't think by any stretch they're going to win this game, but I almost think you know, twenty-point game backdoor cover. Hawaii is going to lose this game by you know, between 10 and 13 points.
2: So just before we go um, to Danny, is are, is this purely a numbers play for you?
0: Yeah, purely a numbers play. But I think, I mean, Hawaii has, I like Cole McDonald a lot. You know, I do think it's going to be higher scoring. But they have been up there, they played in Boise. You know, I think they can hang points with, with the best of them. And basically, I think they will have enough in the tank to to put something on the scoreboard late to get inside the number.
2: Okay, I just want to make sure there was some football reason there. Even though the numbers often tell you what you need to know, it's just hard for me as a college football fan or, or whatever sport you happen to be betting on. We talk about with this, this with the tournament every year. It's just hard to, to purely base your decisions based on where the money is moving. But but that is often a good idea, and that's uh, that's how people can uh, can make a profit. Danny, what do you see in this one?
1: Yeah, Steve, as you're going through your reasons for why you didn't like Hawaii, uh, I was cringing because <laughs> everything you said was exactly what I was saying. I was at a Penn State watch party last week and then gallivanting around Long Island City and the city, and anybody that I had crossed paths with, I told them to hammer Army uh, for the late night game because Hawaii had nothing to play for, um, they had their, you know, they were playing in this game this week for the uh, conference championship against Boise. They they had every reason not to, you know, kind of show their whole playbook. Army was playing for bull berth, and um, they won by three touchdowns. Hawaii, so um, the, you know that, that didn't work out too well. Um, I, that being said, I, I don't have a I don't have a side in this game. Uh, I really do like the over. Um, I think. This is the this is the highest over-under on the board of the 10 games for a reason. Uh, I really don't trust Hawaii's defense at all. Um, you know, when you look back over the last month and they're giving up 40-plus points to San Jose State and, and Fresno State, I, I think Boise has a better offense than both of them. Um, I think Boise will score at will. Uh, but that being said, I mean, I, I think Hawaii's offense is, is a bit underrated. Um you know, their their quarterback McDonald is a pro prospect. Uh, I worry about a high number going against a pro prospect late. So if uh, you know Hawaii's down 17 and and Boise's in in prevent, uh, I think a, a good quarterback can kind of carve up a prevent defense and and potentially come in for the backdoor cover. So don't don't love either side, but, but I definitely do like the the over- I think. So will be uh, you know, they'll probably get up into the 70s total.
2: I do like that over as well. I just gotta kind of refute one thing. You said all the reasons I listed were were reasons to like Army uh, last week. Danny, can can I can I say a number to you and you tell me what you think this number might be? If I said four thousand nine hundred and forty-nine, do you have any guess as to what that number might be?
1: I was gonna say the amount I had on Army last week, but that's <laughs> what I
2: uh, the correct answer is the number of miles from West Point to Hawaii. That's quite a trip for Army to make, whereas on the flip side now, Hawaii is traveling 2,800 miles to Boise, Idaho. I just don't think it's it's not going to be warm. I don't think Hawaii cares about playing in this game at all. It's
1: going to be a bony 47, Steve. It'll be fine. 47's not bad. Championship
2: Hawaii. Is it Timmy Chang days? Ah, Colt Brennan, that was that was probably actually the whack, though, uh, back when Colt Brennan uh, led them to a 13-0 season and a Sugar Bowl appearance against Georgia. Um, so I don't know that they've ever... Have they ever been in the Mountain West Championship? Um, that is something that I'm afraid if I type too much, it ends up coming out in the sound. Uh, so so I won't be doing that research. Um, but, but yeah, I guess, you know, the pride of a conference championship. But I don't know. I just... You're, I, I just assume that anyone that lives in Hawaii and goes to college there, their life is so good. Why are you going to get fired up for a football game in in Idaho?
1: I'm, I'm very impressed with the geography lesson, though. If that's something you know off the top of your head, uh, that's that's extremely impressive. Uh, if not, if you did that in the prep work, uh, even better.
2: I did it on the fly, if you can believe that. I think that's the best of all three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Any uh, anything else other than the fact that I'm a square, but I also, boy, I just I can't see why that's not a lock. Uh, do are are we good to move ahead to uh, the the last two games of Saturday night and the two maybe uh, two maybe the two best teams in the country here? Are we are we all set? Yep. All right. All right. Let's do Clemson and Virginia first. Um, this, uh, right now is a 28 and a half point spread in favor of Clemson. What I'm seeing and, and total of 55 and a half. So my math says that they are expecting something like 42 to 14 in this one. Uh, Danny, what do you think?
1: Yeah. So I'd say, look, it, Clemson is a tough way training train to, uh, to get in front of right now. Um, and I think if you look back, since the, the close call in the game they could have lost to North Carolina, uh, they've covered every single game except the 50-point the spread that they had against Wofford. Um, I, look, Dabo Sweeney is probably one of the two or three best coaches in, in college football, in my mind. Um, that, that being said, I, I don't know how much Clemson needs to prove or, or how much they care about seeding. Um, I know that uh, the game after the first um, initial rankings came out, they kind of used that 5-seed to their advantage uh, and blew out whoever they were playing the next week. Um, I I don't really like either side in this game. I I watched the whole Virginia-Virginia Tech game last week. I've I've watched Virginia a couple times this year. Uh, I like their quarterback. Um, So I'm I'm looking at the over in this game. Uh, I think Clemson's going to be able to, to score at will. Um, I think that Perkins, you know, with a mobile quarterback, I think that slows down Clemson's pass rush just, just a little bit uh, with his threat of running. Um, and, and if they do, you know, get down big as most people would would expect, I think Perkins is the kind of quarterback you, you like to back if you have it over. I think he can make enough plays with his legs and his arm. Uh, you know, it, against a prevent defense to, to put some points up. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think this, this game probably gets into the, the 60s. You know, Clemson probably wins in the mid to high 20s or low 30s. Uh, you know, it, it could come down to potential for a backdoor cover. But, but I think there will be plenty of points scored by Clemson, and, and Virginia will do just enough to, to get you over the total.
2: Yeah, I'd lean over as well. Tommy, what do you think about this game?
0: Yeah, I agree with uh, a lot of what Danny said, but I'm going to twist uh, my play just a little bit. You know, having watched firsthand Notre Dame play Virginia and their you know, D-line just have a feast day, I can only imagine what Clemson's D-line is going to do, and I don't really want to be in a position where I'm relying on Virginia to score points late to, to hit the over. So my walk for this game is actually taking – the Clemson team total over twenty three and a half in the first half. I think they're gonna get come out early, make a statement. You know, I could see them being up twenty eight nothing half very easily. And then, you know, echoing what Danny said about not having much to prove. I think they, they put it in cruise control and, and coast in the second half. I don't see this game really ever being close, but I don't see Clemson having a need to kinda Stomp on their their throats, um, so I don't love the idea of going like four touchdowns, but but give me the points in the first half. You know, Clemson over over twenty three
2: and a half. All right, that's an interesting angle there. I'm gonna I'm gonna work through uh, you know a couple factors that that help each side here, and then come to a conclusion. Fact number one: Clemson has not won a game by fewer than thirty points since September, uh, and that was of course that one point win against North Carolina. Uh, only done it twice all year, uh, beating Texas A&M by just 14. Um, fact number two, Clemson is not going to get to number one based on their performance in this game, unless Ohio State and LSU, and I, I do realize, folks, that I have just forgotten the LSU-Georgia game exists. Don't worry, we will uh, we will touch upon that game. Um, unless uh, LSU and Ohio State both lose. Clemson's not getting the number one based on this performance, so they don't have a ton to play for. Both of you hit on that uh, a little bit. And then thing that I think is fact number three, but the fact that I'm saying the word think, I guess it's an opinion. Virginia's the best team Clemson has played this entire year. Do, do I have arguments from either of you on that statement?
1: Um, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I
2: just... I I don't expect this game to be close, but just, I think that Virginia will test Clemson in a way. Maybe the second best team they played, I don't know, was it Texas A&M? They only won that game by 14. Uh, Louisville, and that was early in the season before Louisville started to to get it going. They struggled in the first half of that game before turning it on late. I uh, I think Virginia keeps this one. Within four touchdowns, uh, when I gave it out on Twitter, it was actually 29, but I, I love that half point on the 28 and a half uh, because you can get that 42 to 14 outcome uh, that I mentioned that would be right on the total uh, and and on the on, on the spread and and you're still a winner there. So I feel pretty good about Virginia uh, in in the long term on this one. Uh, I, I know. Uh, I don't hate your your first-half team total play, Tommy. So it's it's a situation where I like both your play in favor of Clemson but my full-game play uh, in favor of Virginia. I think Bryce Perkins is dynamic enough to put at least a couple touchdowns on the board, and Virginia's defense, you know, Brock Mendenhall, a defensive coach, I don't think they just let Clemson score at will. So something like 42-14 seems completely realistic to me, and uh, and that's good enough if you're taking the points.
1: Just one uh, one question for the both of you. Uh, if by some, some miracle, Virginia wins this game, uh, is that the toughest decision that the committee would have to make in terms of outcomes from this weekend? And, and does Clemson get in, or, or are they left out?
2: I think they then ultimately get in. Um, it would be definitely a difficult decision, but if... And, and, you know, we, we certainly would have to see what this game looks like. But I don't think – it's not like there's a clear-cut fourth team that anyone's in love with. Uh, Utah, Utah has certainly been blowing teams out, and some of the metrics uh, are good for them. Uh, but their resume is really not there at all, uh, and that will be an interesting discussion for next week. And then uh, Oklahoma, on the flip side, slightly better resume, but not, not anything like the teams in the SEC – or the Big Ten have this year, um, and, and they have, you know, major holes on defense. So I still think the committee uh, would put Clemson in that fourth slot, uh, assuming uh, nothing nothing crazy happens. Tommy, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on, on the other games. If, if Georgia somehow, you know, pulls off an upset, and Utah and Oklahoma both win, you know, fairly convincingly, I could certainly see Clemson being... Being left out. You know, I, I think the committee has to do a little bit of uh, what have you done for me lately. And he uh, said, you know, Utah doesn't have that, that great of a resume, but we just talked about not being able to find the best team that comes and played all year. So, you know, they don't really have a, a solid argument to stand on there either.
2: Yeah, no, That that's fair. I mean, there, there are a few scenarios uh, that could lead to uh to some difficult decisions for the committee but listen this is we're focusing on the gambling here we're trying to make people money so unless unless you're unless you're looking to make a play on who's going to make the playoff uh in in terms of a betting situation let's move ahead uh we'll go back in time uh to the afternoon to the sec championship game we've got lsu and georgia uh i didn't write this down which is why uh skipped over it before but last I saw the line was LSU minus seven uh, if one of you can help me out on the total that would be wonderful
1: uh, 55
2: all right uh, Tommy let's start with you what do you think on this game
0: so all logic you know watching both both these teams in the last couple of weeks you know the eye test the numbers everything says to play. LSU. This is just one of those games, you know, call it call it a gut feel or whatever where, you know, this is this is the Joe and me, not the not the pro. But I think I'm gonna back back George in this one, taking the taking the seven. Um, I just think it's gonna come down to time of possession if mom can somehow move the stick steadily down the field, you know, they're not gonna have explosive plays. They're not gonna be, you know, going over the top of LSU's defense. But if they can control the clock, you know, limit the time that Joe is on the field, manage the game, I think their defense might be able to do just enough to, to keep them in this and, and make this a one possession game going down the wire.
2: Be honest, how much of this pick is just being colored by your experience at that frat party we went to in September? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a or factor, or is it but, uh, or is it more so the pulled pork at Doggone
1: Good Barbecue? You no, know, the the frat the frat party certainly is a
0: factor. I'm not sure about the uh the pulled pork as good as it was. Uh only let those, like those extraneous factors factor into my uh my lean here. But I do uh, I do like Georgia and the other play that I actually like is the first half on there because it, Georgia can be successful in in doing what I just said and controlling the clock kind of keeping the ball, keeping LSU off the field. Um, I do like that that first half on half
2: there. Now you said, Jake Fromm, you know, he's not going to have to push the ball downfield. He's going to manage the game. I guess when you start taking away weapons, do, does it hurt Georgia less to be missing their two top receivers than it would, say, LSU, who is more of a vertical passing threat? Because Lawrence Cager, who was Georgia's far and away best receiver, uh for much of this season has been out uh he's out for the season uh got hurt a couple games ago and now George Pickens after getting in a fight uh in the second half of that Georgia Tech game so are you not concerned just because they're not a vertical passing team to begin with does it not concern you to take away even more weapons or is this Georgia offense just going to be completely stuck in neutral uh bef- you know right from the start
0: No exactly I think you hit it right on the right on the nose um... I know. I think they're going to try and you know get chunk plays six, seven yards at a time. They're going to rely on Swift. I think he's going to be fine after his injury from last week. Um, and I think they're going to just get that short passing game. Tight ends involved. Backup receivers can catch six yards out. So you know, while while it's a downgrade, their their success on offense all year hasn't been reliant on going over the top and beating teams which admittedly is where and how other people have have scored on LSU kind of going over the top and, and getting beat with explosive plays but um, I think George will be able to, to manage kind of a, a plodding down the fields um,
1: type look
2: Danny what do you think?
1: Yeah so Love, uh, love Tommy's first half underplay. Uh, I like the under for the game. I like the under for the first half as well. Um, I guess just going to the side, I'll, uh, I'll throw this out there for full disclosure. Uh, I do have a future on Georgia to win it all at fourteen to one, so I will be rooting for them. Um, I also hate betting against line moves. So this line started at LSU minus four and is now up to seven. Uh, but trying to not be biased here. Uh, I just think it's it's too many points uh, to give against this Georgia defense. Uh, also, call it the uh, conspiracy theorist in me, but uh, Georgia winning would be great for the SEC, getting two teams into the playoffs. So, uh, you know, maybe a couple of close calls go their way. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to be the best defense that LSU played all year. Uh, I believe – you know they were able to to move the ball pretty well against Auburn, which I would say was probably the second best defense they played all year. But I want to say Auburn kept them in the low to mid twenties that game. Um, yep. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know I think even with the with the injuries that you guys mentioned and suspension uh, at wide receiver for the first half of, of this game, I think George is going to run the ball and try to limit the possessions for, for Burrow and LSU, particularly in the first half, which is, uh, you know, why I agree on that first half under. Uh, I, I, I could see this game being, you know, a field goal game either way. Um, you know, give me the better kicker. I could see Rodrigo and his specs uh, making a kick uh, late and sending Georgia to the, uh, to the playoffs.
2: Well, hot take there that Rodrigo is going to, to kick a game-winning field goal to send Georgia to the playoff. You know, this is a game where it's sort of which weakness wins out. Um, You know, the, the LSU defense has been legitimately bad this year. And the Georgia offense has been legitimately bad this year. Although last week, both of those units performed really well. LSU's defense just giving up seven points to Texas A&M, while Georgia hung 52 points on Georgia Tech. Um, So that's an interesting factor there. I've been on Georgia all year, and I just can't, when I look on paper... I can't see, especially I think the George Pickens thing, kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for the Georgia offense. I, I think they're a good team. I just don't think that they can keep up too many weapons for LSU. They've got like four receivers uh, that they can use. You know, we saw Notre Dame pass the ball hitting the tight end against this Georgia team. Notre Dame's not really a dynamic passing offense uh uh, certainly they weren't in the first half of the year but they were able to get the ball out to chase claypool and uh and cole comet over the middle i think lsu is going to be able to get into the 30s in this game um and i just don't see georgia being able to match them i'm gonna lay the seven in this one just because the known quantity i am more sure that lsu's offense is really good than i am that georgia's defense is really good and i just you know could could it be could it be exactly a seven-point win? Maybe I just don't see it being closer than a touchdown, and that's why I feel comfortable laying the seven there. Anything you guys want to add about why I'm wrong?
0: Well, just the last thing is that you know Georgia is an experienced team, and they've been in these you know situations. Yeah, played well,
2: played well in the SEC championship game the last two years.
1: <laughs>
0: Well, they've been there, you know, they, they know what it's like to, to, to compete there, where they tell a few kind of unknown, this is uncharted waters for them, so um, this is another factor to
2: consider. Yeah, I'm sure if there's one guy that I trust, if there's one guy I trust in uncharted waters, it's Coach O. I have a feeling that he has he has just eaten things out of uncharted waters many times in his life.
1: I mean the other the other thing to consider and part of the reason I like Georgia, um, you know, in a what should be a close game, you know, one possession game, um, you know, I tend to lean to the company to the team that has um, you know more motivation. So I think LSU, barring getting blown out in this game, will make the playoff regardless. Uh, Georgia knows they need to to win to get in. Um, you know, I think that they have some some revenge on their mind. The last two years, uh, you know, haven't been too kind to them. With two years ago, blowing that big lead to to Alabama in the championship game. uh, And then last year, uh, blowing another lead to Alabama that forced them from, uh, you know, stopped them from getting into the playoffs. So uh, I I think that they'll, you know, come up with a pretty good game plan and, and be, you know, highly motivated to, get some revenge and get back to the college playoff and hopefully make some abilities. Yeah,
2: I like the motivation factor. I've used it for a couple of my picks already. But in this situation, I mean, these as much as I hate to say it, these SEC teams feel that winning an SEC championship game is kind of right on par with winning a national championship. Obviously that is absurd, but I think that is how these teams feel. So I, I think LSU is going to be just as fired up. Uh, I don't think they're standing in the college football playoff uh, is going to be uh, a, a reason for them to to not get up for this one.
1: And just just know if if Odell's on the sideline, I'll be cringing every time that they zoom the camera over to him. I, uh,
2: yes, we have a if 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 it hasn't been made clear, Danny is a struggling uh, Giants fan. Although we have three struggling NFL fans here between the Giants, the Jets, and myself, and Tommy on the mm-hmm. uh, a fan of the reeling Patriots uh, falling from from what was once a proud franchise, now to a team that just can't even, uh, can't really move the ball on offense. So, all of yeah. us struggling with our NFL teams.
0: One to the two seed is, uh, is really easy have me right
2: now. All righty. Um, Big Ten Championship. Final game for us to talk about. I think we're, we're, we're reaching maybe the longest podcast ever here. So, I, it's great to be with you guys. I'm having a nice time, but I do know that Tommy has to get to bed so that he can get up for CrossFit in the morning. So let's uh, let's get to this last game. Ohio State giving 16.5 the last time I saw with the total at 56. What do you guys think about this one? Uh, Tommy, you go first.
0: So I don't have a strong feel on this game either. Um, you know, I don't really want that against Ohio State, you know, that offense and that's funny, humming all year, but 16 points is, is a lot. And Wisconsin did sort of press me against Minnesota the way that they came out, kind of the game. Um, so, I again don't have a ton, a ton of uh, conviction here or strongly, but
1: uh, back against the wall, it's giving Wisconsin plus the points. Danny? Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be on the opposite side, um, assuming that you know Fields is is healthy and good to go. Um, and you know, my angle on this is all about game flow. Uh, I think Ohio State is the best first half team in the nation. I believe they've covered all but one first half. Um, so you know, being 17 point favorites in the game, I assume they're probably. You know, probably laying around ten for the first half. Uh, if they get up double digits in the first half and, and build a sizable lead, uh, I think that forces Wisconsin to abandon the run. Uh, it's going to take their best weapon, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, out of the game. Uh, and I just don't think you know Wisconsin can make enough plays in the pass game to to keep this game close. So uh, you know, I think Ohio State builds a you know builds a two probably fourteen to seventeen point lead in the first half. Uh, and then coasts in the second half uh, to probably a three-touchdown
2: one. Yeah, I'm with Danny on this one. Um, Ohio State has only won one game this year by fewer than 24 points. Uh, That was that Penn State game that they won by 11, and as I mentioned uh, the week of that game, that was just really due to a lot of turnovers. Otherwise, that game wouldn't have been as close. Um, What I'm looking at here is what what makes me believe that Wisconsin's going to be able to score in this game. Uh, When they played in Columbus uh, earlier in the season, Uh, Wisconsin was only able to put seven points on the board. And that was in especially a first half where Ohio State's offense wasn't doing much. So Wisconsin had a lot of good field position, a lot of good chances, and they were only able to put together one touchdown. Um, So, you know, when, when looking at bets like this, it's sort of what game flow are you looking for if you're trying to win on each side? And if you're backing Wisconsin here at 16 or 16 and a half, depending on what you can get it at, I kind of think your only chance is like a twenty-eight to fourteen final. Um, I see with I see uh, I see Ohio State getting uh, above twenty-eight in this one. One thing I will say, if you do like Wisconsin, you absolutely must like the under. I don't think there's any scenario where Wisconsin covers this game and it goes over fifty-six. So if you want to work that into a bet, um, that might be one thing to do. I definitely like Ohio State in this one. I still like the under. Um, I'd see this at like a 35 to 14 type game, putting you at 49, a full touchdown below the number right now. Um, The last time they played, this only got to 45. So 56 feels like a lot. Uh, Wisconsin's got a strong defense. Uh, And again, I don't think they're going to score. Certainly not more than 14 in this one. So I like both uh, Ohio State minus the points. And I like that under fifty six. Tommy, what any any feel for the number? Did you mention anything about the number there? The total.
0: Uh, I, I, I do. I do like the under, and you know, I think the other angle that we've sort of talked about in other games is this game is at eight o'clock, so Ohio State's going to know on everything that's happened before them. They're ranked number one. You know, they could be in a situation where all they need to do is win and. You know, they'll be locked into that, that number one seat. So I could certainly see them being in that position, getting up early, you know, not needing to show all that much. And then, you know, Wisconsin just being able to to hang around. And, you know, you mentioned Wisconsin not being able to score. But, you know, I don't think their offense been as anemic as it has been in, in years past. Um, you know, they put up 38 against Minnesota. Last
2: weekend, you know, oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're averaging, they're averaging fifty points a game. or, or sorry, they're averaging, uh, not fifty. I, I gave you the wrong number there. Um, I will tell you exactly what they're averaging. They're averaging a lot. Um, the number that they are averaging thirty-six points per game. But you know that doesn't change the fact that they scored seven against Ohio State. Sure, sure. But you
0: know, I think uh, you know maybe this even this podcast is. Uh, is revenge uh, for me. Look take it back to my walk my with uh, the Raging Cajuns and getting revenge on App State and then Wisconsin, you know, showing up in this one. Um, like I said, don't, don't feel up too, too strongly, but that's an ankle, and, you know, if I had to make a play, I'll, I'll take
2: the sixteen. Well, to be clear, the name of this podcast is Scoop and Score, and I think Wisconsin might need at least one or two of those to stay in this game. Danny, do you have any parting words on the Big Ten championship game? Yeah, I just say.
1: I mean, don't don't think that Chase Young didn't see in the press and and hear that even despite the win, big win against Michigan last week, that he was not a contributor, didn't have any tackle back. So uh, I think he's going to be licking his chops to uh, to get after the Wisconsin quarterback.
2: Yeah, I, I like that. I like that angle. A lot of siren activity tonight. I hope everyone out there on the streets of Manhattan is safe. But they just must know we're we're, we're taping this podcast right now, and there are a lot of hot takes flying. Uh, I almost forgot the biggest lock of the entire weekend is that I will be tweeting angry things about the idiots in the Dr. Pepper football throwing competition that are throwing chess passes into that gosh darn giant Dr. Pepper can. I mean, what are we going to do about this, guys? Radio silence. No, no ideas about the what we can do for this atrocity.
1: Not everyone yeah. could grow as tight a spiral as you see. Well
2: and I'd like to see Danny Dimes working that point guard play, you know, throwing the chess passes up ahead into the Dr. Pepper can. I think that would be a real a real treat to see. Oh,
0: Steve, talk to me when uh, we can bet on it. Then, uh, <laughs> the, uh,
2: attention. I might be texting you separately. Well, maybe, you know, we'll uh when we see who the two competitors are, that's when uh, maybe we'll make a little we'll go Vigless on it and, uh, right, and make a little you, side wager. Right, uh all right, well, it was a pleasure talking to you both. Maybe this should just, just be... Oh, go ahead, yeah.
1: Sorry, can I just tell a, uh, a parting one-minute story? Please. Uh, so, when you texted us earlier in the week and reminding us that we were going to have a podcast, uh, two things crossed my mind. One, when did I agree to this? Uh, you know, maybe it was two weeks ago when we were out for 14 straight hours, but, but that kind of made me laugh at But the second part was that Um, I was supposed to go, or I had a, I just realized I had a family party uh, with my wife and her family scheduled, um, thinking that this was the weekend that Army played Navy and was not conference championship weekend. Um, So I was pretty depressed having to, you know, have all this great insight and, you know, bet on these games, but have to be watching it on my phone since her family isn't really into sports. Um, Then I was... You know, told by a couple of friends, a couple of which are even higher rollers than me, uh, that they'd be going to Atlantic City this weekend and be sitting VIP in the sports book at resorts. Um, you guys will all be happy to know that I was able to finagle my way out of this and um, got the party postponed to next week. I don't know how I did that. I'm pretty sure I'll be paying up for that. But um, you know, given that my friends are high rollers, we will be taking a casino provided limo uh down to ac saturday morning and we will be at the vip area of the sportsbook uh you know drinking heavily and and betting on on all the action so if if anybody's down in ac and you want to see uh some crazy degenerates uh, including myself in action uh feel free to uh come by the sportsbook listen we got a
2: lot of fans all over the place i'm sure a lot up and down the east coast so, uh, anyone that wants to go pay a visit to Danny Dimes, maybe get his autograph, take a picture, uh, you will have to follow him there. Tommy, anything you want to say before you, uh, get off to, like, flip some tires or whatever it is that you do? No, just, uh, hope everyone can, uh,
0: take some of this advice and, and win some money this
2: weekend. All right, fellas, this was a lot of fun, and, uh... 103 days till Vegas. That
0: concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened
1: to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.